Queer Relation Tips, an IM clinic podcast devoted to helping you, the LGBTQ community, create the love lives and relationships you crave. I mean, my family has lost everything in the war. I just told a friend recently, we had a house in the city, a house in the mountains, a house on the beach, we had it all. And then after the war, we had none of it, but also none of it mattered because we just wanted to get out alive. So I think just realizing the things that actually matter in life, which is the people around you that you love and care for, and just having really beautiful relationships and making memories with these people. And then also just being completely resilient, realizing shit happens to all of us. We're all going to go through struggles. We're all going to have our battles. Some battles are going to turn into wars, but that if you have a resilient attitude and if you're persistent enough, eventually everything works out the way it's supposed to. Sometimes not the way we want it to work out, but I don't know. I just feel like trust yourself, trust your gut and work hard for what you want and things will work out. Not many people living in the U.S. of A. in their early 30s can say that they have fled a war or lived through a school shooting, but today's guest has. And still, she has found the resilience to live with levity, loyalty, and love. Throughout our inspiring conversation, you'll hear her characterize an exemplary strength that typifies a resilience I wish we could all embrace. Although a type 7 on the Enneagram, the type that typically shies away from vulnerability, today's guest does nothing of the sort. She has found, through all of her pain and triumphs, the secret that transforms vulnerability into strength, sorrow into joy, and pain into loyalty. As you listen, I encourage you to do so with an empathy that puts yourself in her shoes. Connect with her strength and feel resilience in your body as she describes it in her own. Lord knows we all need a dose of resilience right about now. I am so honored that she would share with us her history as we move through Women's History Month. Let's take a listen. Thanks for doing this. When we were thinking about Women's History Month, you were one of the people that I thought would would have a really good story. What part of your history do you feel like would be beneficial for the world to know about that maybe has been silenced or pushed under the rug? Mm. That's such a loaded question because I, I don't even know what, I'm not even sure if it's been silenced. I think it's more my personality tends to not want to bring up uh, negative things or tough things from the past. So it's, I don't think the world tries to silence me because if I want to say something, I tend to always voice my opinion. Um, But I think there's been a lot of dark moments in my past that I just don't want to relive. So I like to keep my past in the past and genuinely enjoy my present and look forward to the future, you know, if I get to have it or see it. Um, So I'm a very in the moment person. Um, Yeah, I don't think anybody's tried to silence my past. And every once in a while, I'll share about my family escaping the war or us, um, you know, having to move to multiple places to find safety and, um, you know, just away from all of the horrible things. Um, 
And then actually yesterday or two days ago when the shooting happened here in Colorado, it brought up my PTSD from the Virginia Tech shooting because I was a part of that. And that only comes out when it's triggered by a current event. So you will never hear me talk about any of these um, tragic moments that happen in my life unless you are in front of me and I'm triggered by something and it's very visible that I'm currently going through a memory or, you know, some sort of traumatic visual mm -hmm. from the past. So yeah, I don't think anyone's ever tried to silence me. If anything, the people around me always want to hear more about it and want to hear my story, but it's me usually that doesn't want to bring it up because I just want people to be happy and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those tragic moments are definitely hard. And so I definitely respect that. What about as a woman? Do you feel like there's part of you that silenced maybe from a historical context, like this part of a woman's history is always silenced or we don't allow women to express this part of their narrative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of um, people might feel that way. You know, women, a lot of women feel that way. I have never felt that way. I have never felt that I was silenced because I was a woman. Um, again, it might have to do with my personality type. I don't care if I'm in a room with nine men and I'm the only woman, if I want to say something or if I have something valuable to say, I will say it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will say it as many times until I feel like they heard me. But I, I never have in my life felt like I was silenced by the men around me or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, you are a seven on the Enneagram with an eight wing. So <laughs> <laughs> hence the avoiding the pain of the past and, and yeah. being in the present, but also getting your voice out there. Yeah, for sure. What's one yeah, part? Of your... I'm, I'm not somebody, also, I'm very sensitive to um, this word that's sometimes used, you know, playing the victim or victimizing things. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't like that at all. So I have always felt that if, you feel like you're not being heard or you think someone's not listening to you, either tell them directly to their face. And then if they continue to not listen to you, then walk away from the situation. But I just, I would never, um, yeah, try to make somebody else look bad. I mean, I will do what I can. And if I feel like I'm not getting something in return, I'll just buy, you know, mm -hmm. gotta go. Yeah. What's one part of your history that you're really proud of that's maybe shaped you or made you strong? I think just the resilience part and the, um, the resilience and the persistency that I've kind of picked up from all these bad things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe most of all that I now realize the actual things that matter in life. I mean, my family has lost everything in the war. Um, we, I just told a friend recently, we had a house in the city, a house in the mountains, a house on the beach, we had it all. And then after the war, we had none of it, but also none of it mattered because we just wanted to get out alive. So I think just realizing the things that actually matter in life which is the people around you that you love and care for and just having really beautiful relationships and making memories with these people um, 
And then also just being completely resilient, realizing shit happens to all of us. Um, we're all gonna go through struggles. We're all gonna have our battles. Some battles are gonna turn into wars, but that if you have a resilient attitude and if you're persistent enough, eventually everything works out the way it's supposed to, sometimes not the way we want it to work out. But I don't know, I just feel like trust yourself, trust your gut and work hard for what you want and things will work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that this is something very unique to you, this resilience. I don't think that many people can naturally find it within them, even people who live through similar circumstances. You know, um, one of my favorite authors, Pia Melody, would say that there's three types of people. There's the perfectionist who will become, they'll do everything perfect to, to survive. There's the the type that will let the tsunami wash over them and wipe them out and drag them out to sea. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of the resilient type that says, oh, hell no, mm -hmm. I'm going to stand firm and protect myself and rise above this. Mm -hmm. What does that energy feel like to you? Like if you were teaching this resilience to other women, how hmm. would, what would you point out to them? What do you what do you find in your core or what do you believe about yourself that makes you believe you can rise above? I just think it's knowing that you that that is literally the truth. I mean, I would tell any human being that they're stronger than they can imagine, um, that nothing in life, you know, yeah, things like throw us to the floor, but it doesn't mean you can't get up. I don't know. I'm just such a in the moment kind of person and live every single day fully because we literally don't know when it's our last day that I would say, don't let any outside circumstance affect how you react to life, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a quote I've always lived by, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I genuinely believe that. Um, and one of my favorite books, actually, A Man's Search for Meaning, um, I don't know if you've read it or not, but Viktor Frankl, he talks about his experience um, in the Nazi concentration camps. And he's always said, I cannot control my outside circumstances, my environment, nothing. The only thing I can control and the only freedom we have as humans is how we react to those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm a very, as a seven, of course, with the Enneagram, very head logic based person. So if I know that is the truth and the fact, I will do everything in my power to not let outside circumstances affect my whole inner being, but I will choose to react in the kindest, nicest way possible and do the best out of any circumstance. And I think anybody is capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely believe so. From a psychological standpoint, we actually have research that kind of validates what you're saying here. We call it an attribution style. So if a kiddo lives through a moment, they'll look up and watch how the parents and the adults respond, and then they'll mimic the response. Yeah. And so basically what that's saying is, if a, if a parent with resilience and a healthy perspective responds well, then the child learns how to respond well. And then they use that kind of template for responding to tragedy or pain, mm -hmm. and obviously the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, that's so interesting. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. 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 
I don't know if you want to, and you definitely don't have to, but you keep referencing the war. Mm-hmm. Do you mind telling me a little bit about that? I do mind, so no, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I only reference it because that moment and the Virginia Tech shooting are like the most significant moments in my life where I had a switch where I realized life is, we don't know when it ends, right? So just, you have to make the best out of every moment. Um, Yeah, I was, uh, so my family and I escaped the war in 92, was the Balkan war where you had former Yugoslavia going through all kinds of turmoils. you know, depending what book you read or documentary you watch, you'll have all kinds of different sides about it. But the main point is that um, so many good people's lives were ruined and killed because, you know, egos and people trying to take more power than they needed. It's always about people and power over, you know, things that matter. So it's, it's horrible, but we escaped it in 92. And my dad stayed behind. My mom took my brother and I, and I just remember we had to do, we had to take buses and trains and walk for three months until we made it to Germany safe, just to, um, just to survive. And a lot of our friends and family members were shot. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. It's, I don't even know all of the stories because my parents, I think, tried to shield me from those memories, but, um, yeah, it was horrible. And I don't ever wish that upon anybody. And we were very lucky that my dad actually made it a year and a half later. Um, He met us in Germany, and we had no idea if he was going to make it or not. Um, Hmm. So yeah, just, just a crazy experience. But then also so much beauty came after that, because there was a family in Germany that took us in, um, taught us German. Um, It was four of us in their house, and they already had six of them. And just for some complete, for strangers to to do that um, to other strangers is just one of the most beautiful things I can can think about that you don't know who these people are yet you're feeding them, you're giving them a safe home, you're teaching them the language, you're helping them find jobs, um, you're taking them to school. It was just such a selfless um, act and just so kind and full of love that these people showed us maybe just like the example you made, how you mirror somebody or how you look, you know, other people's actions. I know that their actions made me want to be the best and most giving uh, person that I can be because I, I just saw how much it changed my parents' life, my brother's life, my life for the better. And I don't know, I just always find uh, selfless acts the most beautiful when you can give so much of yourself and not expect anything in return, right? I just... I think that is such a beautiful part of humanity that I wish everybody would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and knowing you, I think that that's, if I can just share an observation, I think the, the, the blend that you bring of resilience, but also this experience of what true loyalty does to a relationship, Mm. I think is really profound to, because you, you bring this incredible strength, like guiding the pack forward, but in a way that says, um, I'm caring for you. I'm taking care of you. And it's this very uh, strong, but very unique. I, do, I agree with you. I wish the world would learn how to do this because it's a very beautiful maternal, I keep strong presence. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As we look to the future, if you could, if this maybe could be applied, um, what would you like to leave behind that might make women's history books someday? Mm. We so many loaded questions. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think just, just that everybody knows, um, that every woman knows that truly there is no limits and um, no matter what they might've believed in the past or thought was true or not true, that truly if you deeply want something, if you deeply have a goal or a dream that anything is possible, anything is achievable and we just have this current moment and all we can do is just be our best in this current moment and live this moment fully. And yeah, if you have a dream or a goal, go after it with all of your being and anything is possible. Like I genuinely truly believe that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just go after what you want and be kind to other people while doing it and help as many people as you can and um, just, yeah, create experiences you'll share until the moment you die, right? That, you, that just bring you so much joy and smile. Um, and it's usually experiences that make us uncomfortable in the moment or we're afraid of stepping into. Those are the ones that I feel like truly build resilience and persistency when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, so I would just say, do whatever scares you if you really want something just go after it with all of your heart and you will even if you don't achieve your actual goal you will learn so much on the way that those stories when you share them eventually will be worth every single step mm -hmm. of the way it kind of reminds me of the way some people define bravery you know to to move through a circumstance with bravery doesn't mean you lost the fear it means yeah. you, were, you were afraid and you still did it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I told you briefly earlier that I've been able to take these comedy classes recently from all of uh, the comedy schools that I admire so much. And not a single time before a class do I not feel a little afraid or fear, but I know it brings me so much joy. So I always try to force myself to you know, go through the fear and just face it because there's so much joy at the end of it. But mm -hmm. yeah, definitely I agree with your statement on bravery. Mm -hmm. You have this theme and I, I'm tracking it as you're talking. <laughs> but you, you have, <laughs> it's great. It's um, tragedy, fear, or um, like ruin comes before beauty. And you're always certain to highlight that the beauty is always there. And I kind of wonder if that's part of your resilience recipe mm -hmm. is to say, you know, there's, this is a two phase process. And the first one is really crappy and scary or tragic. Mm -hmm. Phase two always comes and there's mm -hmm. always beauty in this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's always the case. I think some of my experiences have these two phases. Uh, sometimes you don't need tragedy or suffering before beauty. I think if you do have it, if you do experience it, 
maybe you'll appreciate the beauty a lot more. And um, yeah, and I don't also know that beauty always comes after it, right? I mean, sometimes like two days ago with the Buller shooting, I felt a deep, deep, just sadness and um, disbelief because I always have these flashbacks of my friend who passed away in the Virginia Tech shooting, seeing her parents the same evening and just thinking this is the worst thing that could happen to a human being is that you lose your child before you pass away. I genuinely don't think there's anything worse on this planet than that occurring. And sometimes I don't know if there is beauty right after suffering. So um, yeah, that's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. That's a tricky one. I don't know if it's always in two phases. Mm -hmm. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I lost someone really, really important to me in 2017. And I think grief is such a tricky thing. And I, I find it helpful to be intentional for me personally with that death to find the beauty mm -hmm. today. To, to practice the mantra of something like today I'm going to love people the way that she used to love me mm. or to say something like I'm grateful that she taught me how to be loved because now I can be love mm -hmm. like she was and I agree I think that there's there's um, um places in me that still really really grieve that presence and the suffering is still here but I think to kind of memorialize her life and make it um, worth it in a sense. I mean, there was many things that was worth her life here on the planet, but to carry the memory, I guess I should say, it's to be the love that she taught me how to be. And That's so yeah. I, I kind of wonder, I'm just playing around with the idea with you today, but if that's part of what resilience is, is to say maybe the suffering and the beauty can sit side by side. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, and what a beautiful way for you to even talk about your friend. I'm very sorry for your loss. What a beautiful way for you to mention her, right? Four years after she passed away that she still has such an effect on you. And um, I just find that to be so incredible when people leave such beautiful remarks or marks on other people that years and years after their death, right, that people still talk about them. And you say she's taught you how to love and be love. And I feel like that's all we want as humans is when we pass away that we have made a mark on just one person, I don't need to make a mark on a community or a country or whatever. If I made a positive impact on one person, my life, I feel like has been worth it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really beautiful that your friend has had such an impact on you. And I'm sure it's more than you as well, but mm -hmm. it's really beautiful. Yeah. There's a really big theme that we're talking about today. I'm sure there's many other themes throughout your life, but death and beauty, they seem like you've lived through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. How does that, um, I know you're kind of an in-the-moment person looking always for this moment right here, but um, what does beauty look like in your life now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to hate this answer, but just living every moment. Um, I don't know. Obviously, as a seven, I very much like to look forward to things. Um, 
So just looking forward to experiences that I know I'll get to have. Um, I think beauty for me has so many different aspects. I'm, I don't know, I am a very, I'm in awe very easily. So there's so many things that I look at or I hear or I'll see or I'll feel that I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful. Um, from like babies laughing to my friends sharing conversations to plans to, um, I don't know, just hearing people's stories. There's, I find there's so much beauty in the last year, how people came together and helped each other. That to me is the most beautiful thing in the world. Again, goes back to the selflessness and here, let me take care of you. I don't expect anything in return, but let me take care of you. Um, I just find that so beautiful about humanity. But yeah, from my point of view, I feel like there's beauty everywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, coffee is very beautiful to me. I don't know. <laughs> I know this about you. <laughs> I love my coffee. <laughs> coffee and Beyonce are the two things coffee. I know. <laughs> coffee and Beyonce, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very easily pleased, Isaac. You know. <laughs> as long as there's fun and beauty you're happy (laughs) I tend to I hope I tend to genuinely be a happy person most of the time Mm -hmm. yeah you have that really beautiful six wing too though where your loyalty is just so it's just such a strong part of your your yeah I think the loyalty in me is from my Balkan culture because Balkan people tend to be extremely loyal Mm -hmm. Uh, I just messaged uh two of my friends actually who I had dinner with last night and we got into this really heated uh, argument and it was really uncomfortable and tense at certain times and I messaged them this morning listen you two are still two of my favorite people if you kill somebody I'll still feel the same about you Mm -hmm. so there's this like insane loyalty that no matter what if you are a friend of mine I mean you can't do I mean you can do wrong and I'll tell you when you're wrong but there's Mm -hmm. nothing in this world that would not make me want to take care of you when you need to or be your friend or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah I think loyalty to me is very important in friendships relationships whatever for sure yeah. what about the loyalty to yourself do you feel like that was something that helped you speak your truth and come out oh here we go Isaac <laughs> um <laughs> that was a hard one for me because I think it's easier for me to be loyal to other people and help other people be strong than sometimes it is for myself so I that was hard for me and um yeah I and also culturally it's not as accepted as it is in the U.S. so my parents still kind of more my mom than my dad but they she still sometimes struggles with it um yeah but I, it's not even loyalty to myself. I just try to be who I am and as authentic and raw as possible. And honestly, I don't, I don't think it even matters. Um, people are gonna, some people are gonna like you and some people aren't. So you might as well be yourself, right? There is no human being in this world that is liked by everybody or hated by everybody. People are always gonna have their opinions on you. So you might as well be who you are and be authentic to yourself because at least then you have inner peace and everybody else can say what they want and think what they want. Mm -hmm. That's 
I guess that's my opinion yeah. on that. Yeah. I don't know if this is fair to say, but as I know you, I don't think there's an ounce of you that was willing to forego the beauty of romance mm. for the sake of other person's opinion of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like being in the moment and having the beauty of another woman with you. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something that you could have uh, tucked away or denied yourself from. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I I have always, not always, but I've dated men, women. Um, and for me, it's not even about the gender. Sometimes it's just if I genuinely like a person and their whole being, I don't want to hide it from the world, you know, and it's not even just with relationships, it's with friendships too. It's if I genuinely like you, I want to hug you. I want to kiss you. I want to tell the world what for a great human being you are. So it's hard for me sometimes because obviously not everybody thinks that way. And a lot of people to this date have a problem with how same sex couples look, right? It's not normal. It's not whatever. So I just wish that everybody was happy with themselves and focused on themselves and their relationships instead of looking outward and judging other people. And um, I think I've come to a point where if I am dating a woman that I just want to hold this person's hand in public and kiss them in public and uh, not care what other people think or how it might be perceived because that to me is inner freedom and inner peace. And that's all I want. I can't control other people. I can't control how people think, how they act, what they'll say to me, what they'll do. All I can do again is control me and my reaction. So if I can just, you know, express myself to the person that I'm with, that to me um, is all that matters. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people say, oh, I don't care what they think, but really I think the energy that brings for them is I try to care or mm -hmm. try not to care, but I'm still trying and trying. <laughs> totally. Oh, agreed. Yeah, that, so I think, that's what I mean. I think it's a lifelong uh, work in progress to just focus on um, you and your reactions and your inner feelings, because again, you cannot control other people and people will always have opinions. So as much as we care about what other people think, the point we find inner peace, I believe, is when we just focus on ourselves and the people we love and want to be with. Well said. <laughs> I say a lot of dumb shit, but every once in a while, you <laughs> compare to golden <laughs> Um Any, and it's not obvious, it's okay, but any favorite quotes from Viktor Frankl? I, 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 Isaac, you should have um, kept you. Have asked me this in advance. I have so much highlighted in this little book of mine. Um, let's see if I can find something. So, probably my favorite sentence in this whole book, um, and my favorite quote from Viktor Frankl is everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Mm. That's like the perfect summary of everything you were saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that with all of my heart. Mm -hmm.
I do think resilience is a, is a really unique talent and to see it demonstrated by you is honestly kind of a, I don't want to use this word, but I don't have a better word, but it's a blessing. I feel lucky. Mm. And I think that that's, um, in terms of like Women's History Month, I think women are, are incredibly resilient, maybe even more so than men. Um, when I, I was a dental assistant in college, that's how I paid for college. And every time we put a nine-year-old little brother in the chair, he would scream and thrash and cry. And every time we put their five-year-old little sister in the chair, they would lay there and mm -hmm. do the work. And <laughs> I fully believe that women are way more strong than men <laughs> for what it's worth, but. Yeah, I think people are what they need to be in situations, right? So women probably way more than men recently in the last, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years had to be more resilient just to, you know, be heard, be listened to. One of my favorite pieces of trauma research, in addition to the study of attribution styles, highlights that our ability to internalize trauma doesn't rely on the intensity of the traumatic event itself, but oddly enough, on the intensity of our own self-esteem. After examining identical twins that lived through the same traumatic event, the twin that saw themselves as having power in the situation internalized the event as less traumatic, whereas the twin who perceived themselves as powerless demonstrated more trauma symptoms. I find that people like today's guest hold a certain confidence that allows them to make lemons out of lemonade. And yes, that was a nod to today's guest and her love for Beyonce. But in all seriousness, many of us have sustained trauma. We know what the symptoms feel like. We have our triggers memorized for no other reason than to fear their onset and to ward them off as they arise. But what I often think is missing is our ability to recognize our own resilience, how to activate it, how to control it, and how to use and call upon it appropriately. Of course, events can overwhelm our central nervous system, leaving trauma in their wakes. But don't forget that you have everything you need to heal. Resilience isn't for some of us, it's in all of us. From a clinical perspective, some of us might have to fight harder to find ways in which we are powerful. We might have to recover from trauma in a professional setting with an expert guide. Trauma is a powerful force in and of itself. But as we heal we realize just how strong we truly are. I referred to her resilience as a talent at one point in our conversation. I used that word on purpose because she seemed to have access to resilience with an ease most people cannot understand. And for this reason, I rely on women like her to teach me and remind me that I too am powerful. Internalizing our power allows us to stand victorious in the face of trauma, and for this reason I am so eternally thankful 
for women like today's guest. She has seen me at my worst, and from that place, she has empowered me to be my best. As a young woman with a history of major devastation, her resilience is an example of how to live in the right here, right now, this present moment. The very history that littered her past with devastation is the very history that cultivated the ability to choose, in many ways, resilience. Her example of such an amazing paradox reveals that life can have this evanescent vitality, even after trauma. To all the women in the world, thank you for sharing your histories and allowing them to guide us forward in growth, love, and resilience. And to today's guest, to your bravery, to your loyalty, and to your unwavering love from the bottom of my heart, I love you to pieces. Until next time. Queer Relationships is a podcast sponsored by I Am Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ plus community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I Am Clinic, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at I Am Clinic. That's I-A-M Clinic.